Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports concerts, all types of shows. Me, I like the two tap feature, really easy, just easy checkout. You don't have to spend a lot of time there filling stuff out. You're, you're done and you're, you got your tickets and you're ready to go. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on my ticket section of the app create an account then under the billing section redeem code the athletic that's t-h-e athletic a-t-h-l-e-t-i-c once again that's the athletic all one word for ten dollars off your first purchase that's free money people credit is only available to the first one thousand people who redeem the code it expires at the end of the year that's december 31st 2019 so make moves quick and score last minute tickets Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami. Money. Bravo for my Leah, baby. Oye. I'm a little melancholy these holiday seasons because of the atrocities that have occurred during these seasons. Six and six, money. Uh, Independence Bowl contra Louisiana Tech. I know the school system, money. I don't know these people. Cherry Port, Louisiana. Don't tell us, my man. I thought that was next to Guantanamo, Cuba. Oh yeah, money. Listen, man. Uh, all I want for Christmas is not my first two from this. You know, I think we'll see the next season, man. Por favor, is that too much to ask? Santa Claus, por favor. Santa Clausito, in the heavens, listen to me. Tell Rudolph, tell the Dasher, tell the Basher. Uh, tell it, please sing, and this thing, Yellow with, with the big ears, tell them to please bring me a 10 win season next week, next year with the Hurricanes. Because I don't have money. No puedo con esto. I have Santa bring me 10 wins, or he bring me some Sanax. Because if not, I'm just going, I'm going to lose the money. I'm going to lose the money. No puedo. No puedo con esta caca. No puedo money. Hey, please, or, or, or bring me the second coming of Jimmy Johnson. I need Jimmy Johnson's money. I need wins. I need wins. I cannot take no more money. My wife don't want to live with me, money. She's about to throw me out the house. She already gave away. He's wishing in Yandel. My cats are gone, man. The only people I can talk to about the hurricanes. I've been thrown out of my house because I complain too much. And the cats are constantly wearing orange and green. And she don't like it, money. She don't like it. Please, for the love of all that is holy on these Christmas times. And no se buena. I want to slice the lechon and eat it happily knowing the next seasons we're going to have a 10 one season. You know that is holy. Money, have a happy holidays. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy anything that you celebrate and cook it. All right, welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. And we are just a few days away before the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana, a couple days before Christmas. Mike Zimmerman, how have your holidays gone this far? Are you excited about Christmas this year? Um, I mean, I, I feel like that I, I've worked so much that I haven't really gotten the chance to realize it's already December 23rd, but, uh, in, in, once we get to Christmas Eve, then I'll, I'll start feeling very Christmassy and, uh, and be getting excited for all these bowl games, especially, um, day after Christmas independence bowl. I mean, that's, I think that's what we're all looking forward to, to see how, um, how the team shows up. 
Yeah, and we'll see what kind of team shows up. Uh, they haven't been very good 0-3 after bye weeks, but technically this is going to be, what, 26 days off since the Duke loss, so uh, four weeks essentially f uh, from their last game. So maybe that's what they need. They need four weeks between games to uh, be able to show up <laughs> off of a bye week and extend the break. Um, one thing we still don't know about uh, as we record this Monday, uh, December 23rd, is, as Mike mentioned, uh, is who the starting quarterback is going to be. There are no reporters uh, Miami beat reporters in Shreveport. I actually will not be flying out to Dallas and then driving to Shreveport until uh, December 26th, the morning of the game. And I know the, a couple of the other local beat reporters who cover the team regularly will be flying up Christmas. Um, but there will be a press conference tomorrow. Manny Diaz and Skip Holtz, the coach for Louisiana Tech, will meet with reporters and do their uh, pregame press conference on the 24th. And we'll see if Manny Diaz is ready to name a starting quarterback then. We've talked about this before on the show. Who do you think should start at quarterback, Mike? I mean, I, I think that Jaron Williams has shown you more this season than Nikosi Perry. Um, maybe that's because he has played more. But um, in, in terms of production, I think it's it's almost picking the, the greater of two less. You know, flip, flipping that old cliche, the lesser of two evil evils. I guess you're taking the better one of the two not-so-good quarterbacks, uh, and I think that would, would be Jaron Williams. He's been a little more consistent, but not not too consistent. I think you got to give the nod to, uh, to Jaron going in, into the bowl game, but I also think uh, if he doesn't start out too hot, I think Nikosi's got to be ready. I don't think this is just a one-and-done where um, Jaron Williams or, or Nikosi's been named the starter and then they play the whole game. I think it's going to be like another regular season game where they, where they play it out drive by drive. Yeah, I, I would like to see something similar to that. I, I, I think, you know, considering the way Jaron played the last two games and, and the way he struggled, I would give Nikosi Perry the start, and then I would also let Jaron play. I would certainly uh, mix him in after a few series. I think at this point... You use this game as sort of a final audition before Tyler Van Dyke comes in to see each of the quarterbacks. I don't know that you necessarily trot Tate Martell out there once and for all. I know some fans clearly want to see that, but and there's a lot of reasons why Tate should probably not play in this game, and number one among them being that he's the third-best quarterback. And Miami still wants to try to win this game. They want to try to save a little bit of face here at the end of the season. A couple storylines going into the game that uh, we weren't able to talk about in the previous podcast because – we recorded the show before some of this news broke. But number one, Michael Pinckney is not going to be playing in this game. He's decided to pull out. He is the uh, second senior to pull out of the game. Um, and then the other news was obviously Trajan Bandy, uh, Brian Monroe, former punter for the Hurricanes, radio personality on 790 The Ticket, reported that he heard that uh, Bandy's going to go ahead and skip his senior season and enter the draft for family and financial reasons. Let's talk first about Pinckney. Um, I know he was hurt in the Duke game. I think this is injury-related, uh, why he's skipping uh, the bowl game. But when you look at this, senior skipping a, a, sort of a last opportunity to impress the NFL, if it's not injury-related, do you poo-poo these ideas? Um, no, I, I really don't because we've seen so many times where uh, you know players play these meaningless bowl games and then they get injured. It, you know, if, if they're completely healthy and I, I, I understand not playing in the game because – Say say they get injured in the bowl game. That's it. That's going to hurt their draft stock, which then hurts the amount of money they can make at, at the at the next level. So I, I'm all for if it's not a semifinal game and it's a meaningless bowl game, I'm all for sitting out. Listen, I I understand the point where 
you, you got to go play out with your teammates and, you know, you don't, you don't want to leave them behind and all that. But at some point, you also have to look at yourself and, and think, you know, what's better for yourself. And I completely agree. Listen, if, if he said he's going to play, I, I would have been all for that. But, you know, him deciding not to, I'm, I'm fine with that too, whether it's Pinkney or any other, any other um, you know, player deciding to leave for the draft. I'm, I'm all for them not, not playing in the, in the bowl game. Yeah, it really it is about what's best for them in the long run. I mean, this is a six and six season. Um, you're not playing for anything meaningful. And I think Michael Pinckney. I mean, look, he started what 48 games in his career at Miami. Yeah, um, he he he's showed in the four years he's been here that he would want nothing more than to be out on that field. And and I think he's actually earned the right to to not play in this bowl game. Absolutely. As far as uh, Trajan Bandy's decision to go pro. Uh, which, by the way, you know, I spoke to Michael Rumpf on, on Wednesday of last week. Rumpf told us that he was going to have one final conversation with Bandy after the bowl game. So this is not a for sure thing. I think, you know, Bandy could, could still get talked out of going pro. But it seems like based on what Brian Monroe has heard, he's made up his mind for, for family and financial reasons. But this whole issue of, of juniors and underclassmen going pro and leaving the program, um, you have Garvin, you have Jeff Thomas, you have Trajan Bandy. You could potentially have DJ Dallas as well, although uh, we've been hearing that he's leaning towards coming back. Um, the underclassmen leaving, it's been an issue for the Hurricanes for a while now, and these guys are not getting drafted very high. A lot of uh, fans are upset. They're saying, why are these kids going pro? Um, where do you stand with underclassmen sort of just saying, hey, you know what, it's time for me to go. I got, I got other priorities, I got other things that I, I've got to take care of. Well, I, I think there there's a couple things surrounding this issue. I think, A, if the Hurricanes were in a better position program-wise, I think it would be a little more difficult for these uh, underclassmen to leave because, you know, with them being 6-6, six, six and six, they're not leaving much. So they're, they're not really saying, oh, man, if I leave, like, you know, we have a chance to win the national championship or win the ACC next year. They're, they don't really look like they're in position to do that right now, so they're not leaving much. And I also think it's an issue for the program, them leaving, because they haven't built up depth where, you know, back when Miami was the best, you had these guys leaving for the draft, whether they were seniors or not, but then you had, you know, serviceable guys right behind them to step in and take over. They, they haven't had that the past 10, 15 years now, and I think that's the reason why it's hurt the program so much because they don't have that position depth to, you know, recover from these from these early entries into the draft, whereas other top programs, there's there's been no issue because they've been able to stock up on recruiting classes classes and build depth. Well, obviously, I, I think of the three juniors to announce the one the one that probably stings the most is Bandy, assuming he he decides to go. That, that's because I think the secondary is the weakest out of all the uh, we, you know we have Jeff Thomas leaving receiver and then John Garvin leaving D end. I think those two positions are are you know decently stacked whereas secondary is is relatively weak yep yeah i agree i think that's that's ultimately the reason why but i'll say this i think dj ivy al blades uh some of the younger guys to Corey couch christian williams that we didn't really see a lot of uh they have enough uh, in terms of bodies they've got guys they also recruited marcus clark and we know that they're still pursuing other cornerbacks uh, in this class that they'll have time to sign up until February. So I'm not necessarily panicked. You go back and you look. Miami played with five cornerbacks this season anyway. I mean, they had five guys. They're going to have five next year. I don't see that as a position where, I mean, ideally you'd like to have seven, eight guys, but I think they feel comfortable enough with some of the guys they have at safety. And, and you know, Mike Rumpf said this uh, Wednesday. We put his, his sound in, in our uh, – 
bonus uh, episode for our subscribers, uh, he basically said, look, we, we have DBs that we think we can move around to cornerback if we need to. So I think it's not necessarily a, a an area where you're panicking because you don't have enough bodies uh, to play. All right, well, we're going to get to my interview here um, with Ben Carlisle of Bleed Tech Blue, uh, the Rivals.com affiliate. He covers Louisiana Tech football in a second. Uh, before we go, I want to wish uh, the listeners a uh, Merry Christmas uh, before we get to that interview. And uh, Mike, um, I guess final thought here uh, before we wrap the show up with the interview with, uh, with Ben. Um, I, I think that I'm just looking forward to uh, to this game against Louisiana Tech because I kind of want to see, you know, get one last look, sort of what the coaching staff is going to do, get one last look at this team before moving forward. And I think you'll also have a good idea of maybe who might not be on this team next year, whether it's, you know, transfer-wise, whether it's, um, you know, leaving early for the draft. I think it's just one last look before we head into to 2020, which is, in my opinion, a huge year for not only the program, but Manny Diaz and his staff as well before, you know, we've seen him under fire from the fans and former players this year. I think next year is going to, it's going to get ramped up even more if he, if they come out uh, struggling a little. I think this is one, one last look uh, before heading into next year. Yeah, we'll get a look in this bowl game at Jafari Harvey, who's one of the best uh, freshman defensive ends. Uh, you know that that's been recruited in the ACC. Just haven't had a chance to see him because Miami's been so deep at the position. We'll see him with Trevon Hill and John Garvin out. We're gonna get a chance to see Sam Brooks Jr. at linebacker. He'll play a ton. Those three defensive tackles. Um, you know, obviously there's still some guys that they want to hold on to their red shirt. Uh, so so you're not gonna see a Jeremiah Payton playing this game since he's already played in four games. But as far as the defensive side, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing in this game. Who who sort of is the young future? at linebacker, at defensive end, at defensive tackle for this team because there's going to be some guys leaving, as you mentioned, Mike. And uh, it'll be an audition. It'll be an audition for some of these young guys. I think we'll get a chance to see uh, Mark Pope a little bit more with Jeff Thomas gone. You know, Mark Pope's been sort of limited in terms of his snap count. You got no choice now but to play Mark Pope in this game and, and to give him a lot of snaps and see if he's see how much of this uh, playbook he's grasped because Jeff Thomas is out and, and you're going to need him uh, to sort of help fill that role of being the deep threat and being the guy that other teams have to worry about. So a lot of reasons to tune into the game on Thursday. Without further ado, time to talk to Ben Carlisle of Louisiana Tech. All right, so it's time to break down uh, Thursday's game, the Independence Bowl between Miami and Louisiana Tech. And to do that, I have brought on Ben Carlisle of the Rivals Network for Louisiana Tech. And Ben hosts a radio show out there and uh, does a great job covering the Bulldogs and uh First off, uh, Ben, when you, when you look at this game and, and, and maybe the player excitement level, uh, you know, Miami had a big name for many, many years, five-time national champs. Does Louisiana Tech still look at the Hurricanes like a prestigious program, or do they look at it as, man, this is, this is a great way for us to just dominate a team that's having a bad season? Oh, absolutely. I think they certainly uh, not, not only respect the brand, uh, that comes with Miami, everything surrounding the U. Obviously, like you mentioned, a five-time national champion. So I think that the Bulldogs are uh, definitely looking forward to this uh, matchup, and they view it as a, a big-time game with a huge opportunity uh, not only to finish their 2019 season on a positive note, uh, to win 10 games for the first time in their FBS history, uh, the first time the program's done it since 1984, uh, back when they were a Division II program. But not only that, but also uh, to propel themselves into 2020 as Coach Holtz in his seventh season 
uh, has laid a nice foundation, but they're certainly uh, looking forward to, you know, get over that hump, like I said, to win 10 games, to potentially win a Conference USA championship down the road. And so I think it starts, you know, like you said, Thursday afternoon uh, against a very uh, nationally well-known program in Miami, and uh, they're looking forward to a big-time matchup in Shreveport. Well, they're getting the Hurricanes basically an hour away from home. Uh, that's where the side of the game is. It's about a, it's a short drive. Have tickets been selling well? And, and do you expect this to be a really strong crowd uh, the day after Christmas? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Everything that we've heard, uh, ticket sales have been going extremely well. I believe the last time uh, Tech played in the Independence Bowl uh, back in 2008, uh, there was 42,000 in attendance in Shreveport uh, against a Northern Illinois team that obviously didn't travel well from up north. So, yeah, I think it'll be a very pro-Tech crowd. Uh, I think we could see somewhere around 40,000 Tech fans have generally traveled well uh, for bowl games. You know, like you said, the one caveat is uh, being the day after Christmas. But, it, you know, the city of Shreveport's a big alumni base, and I certainly uh, would expect uh, the Tech fans to turn out uh, pretty well come Thursday afternoon. Now the Hurricanes are going to be without four of their better players uh, that have pulled out of this game. Michael Pinckney, uh, their defensive MVP, the weak side linebacker. Uh, no John Garvin, who's been a two-year starter at defensive end for them. Uh, on offense, no Jeff Thomas. And then, of course, Trevon Hill, the, the Virginia Tech grad transfer, who, who had a pretty good season uh, in the rotation there at defensive end. He's also sitting out. Uh, so far, I guess there's only been one one player for Tech that's sitting out, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Amik Robertson, a junior cornerback, uh, he'll sat out. He announced last week his intentions to enter the NFL draft. And I've uh, been dealing with a little bit of a, gr- a groin and a hip injury. Uh, it's a big-time loss for the Bulldogs, a, a first-team All-American, uh, second-team All-American, depending on the publications you look at, 14 interceptions in three years. Uh, I think he leads the country and passes defended. So uh, certainly going to be a difficult player for the Bulldogs to replace a cornerback. And I know uh, Manny Diaz, Enos, you know, Blake Baker, all those guys know the Tech program uh, pretty well, and I'm sure they'll be looking to exploit uh, his replacement in this game. Well, for Miami, they're going to have success. They're going to need to create some turnovers. We know that. That's that's basically what this team lives and dies off of, especially with some of the shortcomings that they have on offense. So I'll start off with the quarterback uh, for, for Louisiana Tech, Jamar Smith. I know he's, what, a three-year starter essentially here, uh, close to 10,000 career passing yards. When you look at uh, this this Louisiana Tech passing game with Jamar Smith and some of the receivers that he's got. It's very veteran group, a lot of older guys. How do you think they match up against Miami, who's, who, by the way, lucky for them, they, they are going to have Trajan Bandy in this game, even if he decides to go uh, pro at the end of uh, the, the, his junior season here? Yeah, I think the big thing for Tech offensively is going to be the ability uh, to slow down the Miami pass rush. And, and you know, we, we've talked about Manny Diaz, Blake Baker. They both have a history uh, at Louisiana Tech, and we, we know they like to bring uh, a tremendous amount of pressure. So can the Bulldog offensive line hold up uh, to give Jamar plenty of time to throw the football? Like you said, has plenty of weapons on the outside. Uh, Adrian Hardy's an Oklahoma transfer. is probably his top target, uh, along with Malik Stanley, a South Alabama grad transfer. There's a TCU transfer, Isaiah Graham. Uh, that can really stretch the field vertically. But the big thing for Tech offensively, uh, it's no secret that Jamar Smith had a really solid senior year, uh, Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year. Like you said, nearly 10,000 yards, uh, 38 career starts. You know, the program's all-time wins leader. 
when it comes to the Division One era. So he's had a, you know a great senior season. But the big thing for Tech offensively uh, will be slowing down that Miami pass rush and giving him time uh, to navigate and really uh, look down the field in the passing game. Well, and, and the thing is, this is a very veteran team that Miami's going to be facing. I mean, that offensive line, you go left to right, redshirt junior, redshirt senior, redshirt junior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior. I mean, this is these are fourth and fifth year guys who, to me, look like they have a ton of experience. I think Ethan Reed, what is it, 51 consecutive starts going into uh, the, the uh, last regular season game. And uh, you got an, an honorable mention, all-conference USA honorable mention, center and Cody Russi. I mean, this... This offensive line, I mean, they, they've done a pretty good job, haven't they? Yeah, they've done a good job. And, you know, the, the big thing that we've solved from this offensive line through the year is when they play smaller, quicker defensive lines, they tend to have some issues. They're not overly athletic, um, which we know Miami's going to be a defensive line that is athletic. So that's why I'm so interested in watching how uh, Tech can counteract some of those uh, quicker guys like Russo, you know, the freshman All-American that has 14 sacks, he, he's going to be a big issue off the edge, uh, whether it's against Willie Allen or Dwight Sauer. Those are two massive tackles uh, that both are 6'6", 6'8", you know, 320 to 340. So, uh, like I said, it will be a big-time matchup. The offensive line has had a good year, uh, but some of the concerns for Tech comes against smaller, quicker defensive lines uh, that have given them some issues throughout the year. Now, they run the ball okay. I mean, this Justin Henderson guy, uh, redshirt junior, uh, close to 1,000 yards rushing. Um, looks like he's had a pretty solid season uh, in the backfield. And I don't know how often uh, J.M.R. Smith takes off and runs, but, I mean, this isn't a bad running game, is it? No, it's certainly not. And like you said, Henderson's a guy uh, that's really stepped up. He's a Florida native. I'm sure he'll be extremely motivated for this game. Uh, probably dreamed of playing for Miami when he was growing up. Like you said, near a 1,000 yards. Actually started the year out uh, as the number three running back before some injuries pressed him into duty, and he uh, took hold of the job and had a really solid uh, season. Like you said, uh, a guy that's not going to blow you away with his speed. It, you know, he's around 5'9", 220 pounds, uh, but can certainly hurt you between the tackles and get those hard-fought yards. And then you talk about uh, J.M.R. Smith. They use him a little bit in the run game. Uh, they've used him some in the read option more in recent weeks. Uh, now if the season's coming to a close and they don't have to necessarily worry about the injury aspect uh, as much. But he, he's not a guy that's going to rush for 100 yards by any means. And behind Justin Henderson to Israel Tucker, uh, not an overly talented guy, just kind of that program guy, does a good job at various different things and uh, kind of just uh, spells Henderson when he, when he needs a break back there. Now, obviously, we, we talked uh, in the previous segment that uh, Amik Robertson won't be playing in this game. Uh, but really, you know, when you look at that secondary and, and what uh, Louisiana Tech does defensively out of its 3-4 scheme, I mean, that's really the strength because it, do, it doesn't look like they put a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterback up front. Talk to me a little bit about the secondary and how they're going to adjust without Amik Robertson in this game. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You know, the secondary, like you said, they're extremely talented with or without Robertson. Uh, I know the coaching staff believes that uh, along with Robertson, Michael Sam and LeJarrius Sneed will both play in the NFL as well. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the issues that Tex had getting to the quarterbacks in terms of uh, piling up sacks and loss yardage plays. That, that's been a major issue and it's put some more pressure on the back end that I don't know that they expected prior to the year. But 
you talk about Michael Sam, a long corner at six one, Legarius Sneed, uh guy that played corner for two years before shifting to safety this year. Uh Daryl Lewis, another safety, is a former walk on, but he's a three year starter and then they'll uh attempt to replace Robertson with either Zach Hannibal, uh a junior that hasn't seen a ton of time, has been more of a nickel guy. Uh, but he'll get the first shot to replace Robertson, or it'll be a senior Aaron Roberson, uh, kid returning to Shreveport for his final collegiate game where he played his high school football. So it'll be difficult to replace Robertson. I'm sure we'll see more zone out of the secondary uh, than we've seen for most of the year uh, just because they don't have that man-to-man ability. But uh, uh, like you said, it's a really talented secondary, a secondary that can certainly uh, force a quarterback into some mistakes. Yeah, and, and Jaron Williams, uh, Miami's starting quarterback, certainly didn't finish the season well in the losses to FIU and Duke and just looked way out of sync. I'm interested to see who Miami is going to start at quarterback in this game. Manny Diaz has yet to really reveal that. You know, he said it was kind of an open competition going into this week. Obviously, whoever's quarterback for Miami, the number one thing is, is staying upright. This uh, offensive line gave up 47 sacks this season, and I probably shouldn't put it all on the offensive line. There were plenty of times where – Jaron Williams and Nikosi Perry held on to the ball too long, but still 47 sacks, uh, fourth most in the country. And we talked about Louisiana Tech's front not putting on a whole lot of pressure, but who is somebody that can get to the quarterback and is is dangerous and tough to deal with for this offensive line? Yeah, I think the most talented player on the Tech defensive line is Willie Baker, uh, a guy that will actually miss this game due to an ACL injury. So that hurts Tech even more up front. But uh, another name to watch for is a redshirt sophomore, Milton Williams, uh, 6'5", 270 pounds, a guy that Tech's really groomed uh, you know, throughout his first two or three years on campus. He's had a solid sophomore year with five sacks. Uh, not going to wow you with his speed around the edge, more of a power guy, but he, he's probably the name to watch up front on that defensive line. But the, like we've said earlier, they just don't create a lot of pressure uh, with that three-man front. If they do create pressure, it's going to come uh, from some blitz schemes that Bob Diaco draws up with some guys coming off the edge or coming up the middle on some delayed pressures. Like I said, just the three-man front doesn't get a whole lot of pressure, but if there is one name to watch, it's certainly Milton Williams, a big defensive end. Now, special teams always plays a factor in these in these bowl games. It feels like whoever makes the big mistake on special teams usually ends up hurting them badly in this game. Bailey Hale, I guess, is the kicker. Went into the last game of the regular season, 13 for, for 16 on field goals. So he's pretty accurate, 46 of 46 on PATs. Uh, made a, fifth, uh, a long of 50. And then their punting game uh, with, with Bradley Farlow, it says here he was averaging close to 38 yards of punt for the season. So when it comes to special teams, what what's the biggest aspect for Tech? What are they really good at in your eyes? Yeah, I think the big thing for Tech, obviously a strength is the field goal kicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hale's been really good. He missed two field goals in the season opener uh, against Texas. And like you said, he made 13 of 14 from that point on. So that's certainly been encouraging. I think another strong point uh, being the kickoff return game with Wayne Tucson. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, they've put that back there in recent weeks, and he's yet to bust one for a touchdown, but uh, he's had numerous 40-plus yards return, which has certainly uh, been an added aspect that Tech didn't have early in the year. And if you look at the opposite side of things when it comes to concerns, it's obviously the punter, Farlow. You mentioned he's averaging uh, nearly 38 yards per punt. He, he just doesn't get a whole bunch of length. And so really what they've turned to is telling him, hey, 
get us 35 to 40 yards, get a fair catch out of it. Just don't allow that big return that'll, you know, end up costing us a game. And that's what they've uh, really leaned on him to do. And so the big concern for Tech uh, is the punting game. Can they get a consistent 35 to 40 yards? And can they uh, slow down the Miami kickoff returns? Because they've given up some big returns as well. Now, obviously, Tech, as far as Power 5 conference opponents, you know, they start the year losing to Texas at Texas, 45-14. Hard to blame them for that. In the past, how have they sort of fared against Power 5 teams? I mean, I know they don't get them very often, but, you know, between Texas and and previous opponents, what do you think this game means to, to Tech? No, it certainly means a great deal. Like you said, you know, getting an opportunity to play a Power 5. Generally, Tech plays around one or two uh, power five opponents and you look back just a year ago tech was in a 24 21 game uh in the fourth quarter down in baton rouge with lsu i think lsu was in the top 10 at the time and they were ultimately unable to come away with a win but you know they look for those type of upsets back in 2017 uh, i think they lost 17 to 16 to south carolina a game uh, in which they led 16-0 to zero in the fourth quarter. They lost a 21-20 to 20 decision at Arkansas in 2016. Uh, lost a triple overtime game to Kansas State in 2015. You know, they've, they've competed well with these Power 5 opponents. They've just been really unable to get over the hump. The one time they did was back in 2014 uh, against Illinois in the heart of Dallas Bowl. Uh, so they'll be looking to, you know, like I said, get another Power 5 win uh, against a name program and you look at this independence ball, I think uh, when it comes to matchups, I think Tech views it as they couldn't have picked a better matchup, uh, you know, coming from Conference USA. Obviously disappointing that they didn't win the conference, but when you look at the matchup, getting an opportunity to play a program that's certainly as well-known as Miami, uh, that's something they're certainly looking forward to. Coach uh, Skip Holtz, uh, how does he feel about Blake Baker? I mean, he was there with him, what, for four years right after Manny Diaz took off. Um, what's sort of the feeling in, in this game with, with Blake Baker and, and just the familiarity of, of Coach Baker and what he does on defense? Yeah, like you said, both guys are going to know what each other is trying to do on offense and defense. And Blake really grew up in the Tech program. You know, he spent a year under Diaz at Tech as a safeties coach before being promoted to defensive coordinator. And it was probably a little bit premature uh, he, I don't know if he was necessarily ready to be a defensive coordinator in 2015, but he grew on the job, and uh, it seemed like he got better and better year after year. And by the time he left, at the end of last year, Tech had a really good defense and attacking style. Uh, I'm sure you guys know how Blake likes to you know, sometimes stand everybody up at the line and bring pressure from all different parts of the field, and that's certainly uh, something that Tech's going to have to deal with Thursday afternoon. And hopefully Skip Holtz can, um, you know, figure out a way to give Jamar Smith, like I said, plenty of time to throw because that's going to be the real big key for Tech offensively. Miami's going to be playing a lot of young guys in this game. I'm picking the Hurricanes to lose. I I just think it's going to be tough for them without Michael Pinckney, without Jeff Thomas, without John Garvin, uh, to go on the road into a hostile environment and win. I know Vegas had them favored uh, by about a touchdown. Uh, ben, when you when you analyze this game, what's your prediction? Yeah, I think it'll be a, certainly an emotional game, especially on Tech's side. Uh, Tech's looking to win their sixth consecutive bowl game, which is uh, with the five-game bowl win streaks tied for the longest in the country with Wisconsin. So I think if I had to pick a score, I would say Tech 31, Miami 27. I think it'll certainly be a competitive game. 
Uh, but like you said, with all the youth on Miami's side in this game, I think Tech's uh, veteran leadership in the fourth quarter or something that can ultimately uh, push them over the top. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's a good game for, for Miami's sake. I'm hoping that they show up and don't don't get embarrassed because uh, it's, it's been a rough season, a rough finish here for them down the stretch. Ben Carlisle, uh, appreciate your time. Uh, if you want to follow Ben, you can follow him on Twitter at Bleed Tech Blue. And uh, also on your on your website uh, there with with rivals dot com. Anything you got coming here, Ben, uh, before the bowl game that uh, readers might be interested oh. in? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we'll have it covered throughout the week. Uh, I think we'll have six or seven articles. So be sure to come on over to bleedtechblue dot com and uh, check out what we have to offer. Every, everything's free content throughout the week. Excellent, Ben. I really appreciate your time, buddy. I'll see. Uh, I'll see you in Shreveport. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Wide Right Podcast. This is the only episode for this week. We hope you enjoy your uh, holiday season. We'll be back next week with an episode following the bowl game, talking uh, sort of a season wrap-up uh, of the Hurricanes. And uh, so we look forward to that. Uh, for my producer, Mike Zimmerman, uh, for all the guests that have come on uh, during the season, we thank you. Uh, again, I'm Manny Navarro. We'll see you next week. Kane's cartel coming through. Tell me what these other teams gonna do. Orange or green, on the screen. Hit with a full head of steam. Come to your side of town. 60 minutes of SmackDown. Like the Rock was still on the team. But it's JT.